Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman, going to be your host for this episode of Track World News, presented by The Harrier. And today uh, was a weekend that we had really a two-for-one deal going on. We had two Diamond League races uh, going on this week. We're going to be having the same thing next week when we're going to be seeing, what is it, uh, Brussels and Zurich. Um, so we're going to be getting into uh, what happened this previous weekend and these pr these past two meets. Kind of going to be melding them together a little bit because a lot of the performances and a lot of the athletes we see compete in one also competed in the other one. So uh, we're going to be getting into all that. But before we do, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, leave a review. Helps us know that you're enjoying everything that is going on. We've had a lot of support going on here and on our Instagram page. If you're not following us there, go make sure you do have a lot of content. Uh, also, if you are coming from Instagram, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, my two early predictions that I've made. Had a lot of uh, reactions from it. We're going to be talking about just the sprinting side of things right now, and then in our next episode, we'll finish off with the rest of them. So by the time this episode comes out, uh, you'll probably would have seen the other predictions. We're just going to be talking about the sprinting ones today. Uh, and getting into all that. So, uh, first, let's get into what is it? La, La Swain um, in Switzerland. Uh, definitely pronounced it wrong, probably, but uh, we had another fantastic performance by the Jamaican sprinters. So, with here, Shelly Ann Fraser Price actually took home the win. Um, Elaine Thompson Hurrah got second place, and then Sharika Jackson brought home third. Uh, Shelly Ann Fraser Price ran a 10.6, uh, and then beat Elaine Thompson Ara, who ran a 10.64. And so this is just continuing that dominance that Jamaica has had. And it's showing that also Elaine Thompson Ara is beatable. Um, you know, she 10, 10, 6 and 10, 6, 4, like these are times that don't happen very often. I mean, Shelly Ann Fraser Price and Elaine Thompson Ara make it look like it's very common, but. She like so to put in perspective, uh, Shelly Ann Fraser Price has the most amount of 10 eights ran in history, so 10 eight or below. She now has 20 races running 10 eight or lower, um, and then Elaine Thompson Ross second with 11. And so just see how big that drop is. Now, obviously, uh, Shelly Ann Fraser Price has ran for a lot longer than uh, Elaine Thompson Ara has, but it still just shows how dominant these women are. And then I believe the next is about like five or six. So like these two women are at the top of the game right now um, is making it very difficult to, to beat them. And they're, they're doing it all over the place. They've done it in the U.S., they've done it in uh, Europe, they've done it at the Olympics, they've done it everywhere. So they've shown that not only are they running fast times, but they're doing it consistently. And um, Shelly Ann Fraser-Price was like, hey, I still think I have a 10-5 in me. Like, I don't think that I have ran as fast uh, as I can yet. And what, she's 35 years old, I believe, and saying that she hasn't ran her fastest times? I mean, she's breaking all of the molds of what sprinters are supposed to be doing. Like, sprinters are supposed to be running their fastest times when they're 28, when they're 26, when they're 25 even. Uh, like, those are, like, the times that you're supposed to be a sprinter, you know, like, when you're finishing up those college years. And she's running these against women that are five or a, a decade younger uh, than she is. She's racing against, what, um, Shakari Richardson, who's 22, and she's, what, 35? 
Like, that's insane. There's a, like, and she's still running these top times at an old, such an older age in the sprinting world. Uh, she's showing that this is, might, we might be seeing a generation of track athletes that are going to be able to be taking top level talent uh, into their mid to late 30s. I mean, we have her, we have uh, Justin Gatlin also, who's still running sub 10s, uh, even though he's he's 39 years old. He ran, what, a 10.95 or a 9.95. So uh, it's it's incredible seeing what these athletes are doing because it's, it's just like, geez, father time is just not... Uh, he's taking an off day, I guess, when it comes to the Jamaicans. So it's very interesting. Then, uh, Ryan Krauser just also is showing his complete and utter dominance for the sport. Uh, he had his 150th throw over 22 meters. And so it's like, well, what does that mean? Like, what is important about running, uh, about throwing 22 meters? If you're not in shot put, that might not mean much. Uh, he has the most of 20, 22 meter throws than anyone in the entire world, and it's not even remotely close. He has pretty much a third of all of the 22 meter throws has it, that's ever happened. Ryan Krauser's done it. Uh, he's so he has 150th. The next most that a person has is 39. The next most is 39. He is like three what? That's uh, that's nearly three times more than the next most uh, thrower, and that person I believe is retired, so he's he's only going to extend this gap dramatically. Uh, he has shown that he's the the best thrower that we've ever seen in the entire world. It is not even close. He is the best by a mile, not just today, but of all time, and it's it's extremely impressive what he's doing. Um, he's, I mean, what he's six, eight, he's created his own kind of technique because he needs to, you know, cause he's so tall, he's rocking the mullet. He's just embracing every, it's great. He, uh, he's embracing everything about track right now. Um, he's, he can, it, he had an interview where he's saying it's cool to be at a point where if I throw a personal best, I also throw a world record. It's like, yeah, there's not a lot of people that can say they do that. I mean, obviously, only world record holders can really say they do that. So, uh, very impressive for him. Uh, we also saw Devin Allen uh, win in the 110 hurdles, ran a 13.07. Um, and my guess is, like, is he going to take that next step to be able to go sub-13? Because he's been flirting with 13-1, 13-7s for a very long time now. Uh, I'm wondering if he's going to be able to take that next step and actually be a sub-13 uh, sub runner. Because if he does that, then he's going to be an elite company of people that, you know, are consistently going to be talked about being uh, in that in that metal chase. Uh, like, he'll be able to be in that conversation with, you know, a Grant Holloway, with an Omar McLeod. Uh, you know, he'll be in that, that conversation for, for who's going to be at the top of the, you know, top of the game for, for such a long time. Now, we also saw uh, Kenny Bednarik uh, run a 19.68 uh, and Fred Curley 19.77. We're going to talk about them a little bit later. Um, this was a windy race, uh, so it didn't didn't count towards numbers. But another ninth, another sub-20 race for, for Kenny B. Uh, he and, and, and Curley have been going at it over the last few meets um, in, the, in the 200, and it's exciting to see. Um, it's I didn't I didn't think that Kenny Benarek would be this good this quick. I mean he's only 22 years old and he's got he's been so uh, consistent right now. Uh, you know being Mr. Consistent is something that is going to really help you out in your the long run. Like just being able being able to run a fast time is great, um, but being able to run a fast time. Uh, and be able to repeat those results is going to be is going to be what's going to be able to make you you know take those next steps as an athlete. That's going to be the important things here. Uh, 
another great thing that I saw from the race, uh, and this is for the same thing for Paris that we saw not too long ago, uh, full, full arenas. Like, we had full stadiums, uh, fans were there, and it's it's nice to see things, um, you know, the energy come back to the to track. Obviously, we didn't have that with Tokyo. In a few meets here in the, the States and a few other ones throughout Europe, we've seen full arenas as well. But uh, it was nice to continue to, to see this because these athletes are just coming off of uh, a week where there was no where there were no fans, you know, at the biggest meet of the entire year. And to have them back was uh, was fantastic. So really like that. Now let's take a look at Paris and some of the results that we had there. So first one, got to start off with my own personal event, my own personal bias. Mondo Duplantis jumping 6.02. Uh, he got a the meet record for Paris. Uh, he had a good bounce back from uh, the meet that he had a few days ago, a few days before. He only jumped like. 560, 570 uh, was not a very good rate, a very good competition for him. A good bounce back. He had some attempts at the world record, didn't actually get it. Uh, 619, trying to beat his own world record, not an easy set, uh, easy bar to do. Uh, he had some good potential jumps at it, but it just wasn't in the cards. I mean, breaking a world record is never easy, but um, it's good to see him get back on the horse there. Then we're, we're going to get back right back into the Curly and Bednarik uh, feud that we've been seeing that we saw just a few days before. Uh, so this time, uh, Curly got the best of Bednarik. They went 1-2, running a time of 19.79. Uh, this went all the way down to the 1,000th. Like, it was a super close race for both of these guys, and they're at the top of their game, and they've, they've both been extremely consistent. I mean, Kenny Benarek, he is now the first sprinter to have 10 sub-20 200-meter races in the same season. He has 10. There are some athletes that don't have 10 in their entire career. Uh, to put that into perspective, Usain Bolt has 14 in his entire career, and Kenny Bednarik at the age of 22 has 10 in one season, you know, sub-20 races. So this is something that's extremely impressive, and especially going into a stretch of time where we have a championship or a major every single year for the next four years with the World Championships and, and the Olympics as well, like, he is getting hot at the right time. And same with Fred Curley. Like, he has also been extremely consistent. I mean, he has this 1979, the, the 1977, as well as several other top performances in the 100. He's going to be running in the 100, I believe, at Brussels in the next few days. And he's just been super, super consistent. And that's what's going to be a big-time game-changer when it comes to these championships. Because being able to run a fast time at a race that doesn't have uh, that doesn't have rounds is one thing. Being able to do it at a competition that's a championship that has you know three, uh, two or three rounds that's going to be important. And to be able to do it throughout the entire season is also something that is going to be a huge game changer when it comes to the longevity of your career. Uh, are you going to be a consistent uh, a consistent burn, or are you going to be a quick spark? like a flash in the pan. Uh, no one wants to be just that flash in the pan. You want to be able to show that you're the best and at the top of your game throughout your entire career. And so far, um, you know, Bednarik is showing that he can do that, which is fantastic. Um, another person that is showing that they're not just a flash in the pan, Elaine Thompson Hurrah. Once again, uh, it seems like we're always talking about her. Uh, she ran a 10.72. Once again, just making it so, like, making it look so easy to run these 10.7s. That was, I believe, her 12th uh, 10, sub 10.8 race that she has ran in her entire career, which is now still consists 
keeps her in second place with the, the second most uh, sub 10 eights. Uh, no shilling in Fraser Price this time. She decided to take the meet off. She ran earlier. She was slated to go in this competition, but decided not to. Uh, not sure exactly why. I mean, she did just beat Elaine Thompson Ross, so I'm not sure if she wants to kind of ride that high into the Diamond League final, which is going to be happening in a few weeks' time. I'm not sure if that's the reason why, or she just wasn't feeling great. I mean, it is two week, two meets in the same week. I mean, what she would have been trying to do is what high school athletes do when they have a, a dual meet in the middle of the week, and then they have a you know their the championship race on on the weekend, and you know high schoolers do that professional athletes don't do often so that she might just be taking some time because she might realize hey I'm 35 like I'm feeling great right now but like let's not overdo it uh, if you don't feel that you have that 10-5 opportunity in your race just three days later don't take it because you probably don't have many opportunities to go for it so make sure you're going for it at the best possible time you want to maximize the amount of speed that you have on your legs you don't want to be taking uh, you know taking a look at things when you're not ready for it. So uh, I can understand that for sure. Uh, now, uh, want to get into my two early predictions that I've made not too long ago. So if you want to see the Instagram, you want to chime in on there, go and take a look. We've posted the sprinters, uh, two early predictions by the, by the time this episode drops, we'll be dropping our distance races predictions for both the men and the women. Uh, then we're going to be having, I believe the throws and the multis, and then we'll probably have uh, the field events, uh, with, uh, the jumps coming in the, the day after, or we might flip things around who knows, uh, but take a look on Instagram if you want to see that. So, uh, I'm going to go over each one of the, the one. So I'll be doing the 100, 200, 400, uh, 110 hurdles and then the 400 hurdles, uh, some of these I'm going to talk talk about for a little bit longer. Some of them it's going to be pretty brief, just kind of depending on how interesting it is for me. Uh, many of these are, are fairly interesting because um, I made them, but we're going to, we're going to get into those. Uh, and let me know what you think I got right, what do you think I got wrong. Love to hear it. Uh, so for the 100, I have Christian Coleman winning. Uh, then I have Fred Curley coming in second, and then uh, DeGrasse rounding out third place. Coleman, this is going to be his very first championship since his suspension. I think that he's going to maximize on that. It's been so long since he's been able to compete. I'm sure he's been training um, and is going to have a breakout year. It's been, what, two years since he's been able to compete, so I think he's going to be coming out swinging. Uh, Fred Curley, I'm not sure exactly what he's going to be running because this guy has been very dominant in the one and the two. Uh, he's also voiced that he wants to go back to the 400 as well. And so really... You can plug and play him in either of the any any of these three races. Uh, my prediction is that he's going to run the one and the four because I think he's going to want to be on that four by four team as well. But uh, my prediction is going to be um, yeah one and the four. I'm sure you could plug him in if you think he's going to run the two. He very well could, but um, I got him there. DeGrasse, he's just a guy. He's like Tom Brady. Uh, you, you don't bet against him. He's just been super con and super consistent when it comes to meddling at championship, uh, at major meets. Uh, he's always in the push there. I mean, he was there for the Olympics, and he's there uh, for the Olympics before, as well as, you know, the world championships in between. So I don't think that that's going to stop today. Uh, in the 200, uh, I had Benaric winning. Uh, then I had DeGrasse in second, and then Lyles in third. And, uh, yeah, like, the reason that I have these three guys going where they are is based on consistency and what they've done. Like, I just mentioned that in the 100, and it's the same thing here. Like, 
I think that while Lyles has obviously the best personal best year, I mean, he's ran 19.5 and he ran 19.5 again. He's also shown that it, it fluctuates a little bit where when it comes to Benaric, you know exactly what you're getting. You know that he is going to run a 19 point eight 19.7 uh he's gonna be in that sub 20 range and he's going to be right in that 19.7 range uh and that's just right now like who's to know where he's gonna be by the time worlds happens next year where lyles he's fluctuated a little bit like he's he's had a fantastic race when it came to eugene but he's also struggled a little bit when it came to the olympics he didn't run as well as we thought he would uh and then i just think that benaric is going to be able to take that you know, just decision that he's been super consistent and push that through. Like, I think he's going to do really well. Uh, DeGrasse also, he's a guy I just can't bet against. He, he finds a way to win. He, he won the gold at the Olympics this year and he won. Yeah. He, yeah, he won the gold at the Olympics this year. And I think that he's going to be able to continue that momentum. I mean, he's, he's been doing very well in both the one and the two. Uh, he's someone that I feel he's going to be able to get another medal. And these three are extremely, extremely close. Like, it's not like I think that Lyles is going to get blown out and and I think that Benaric is going to blow out everyone. I think it's going to be extremely close. It's going to probably come down to being like a 19.6 race and the top three guys are going to be anywhere from 19.6 to 19.7. It's going to be very close, I think. But um, that's who I have in the the 200. And then in the 400, I have Fred Curley, gold, Steven Gardner in second with silver, and then Michael Norman third with bronze. Uh, Curley, see, this is, I'm just not sure exactly what he's going to be running. Whatever he does, I feel he's going to, to win gold in one of the events. He's came in second already before. He's hungry for winning a gold at one of these major meets recently, and I think it could be the 400. Uh, he's going to – I feel that he's going to have – Good success throughout the end of the season in the one and the two, and then want to go back to be able to run 42. He's mentioned several times that he's on that phase 42 grind. He wants to break the world record in not only the one, the two, but also the four. And so if you're going to do that, you're going to have to focus on that at some point. And so why not now? So I think he's going to take advantage of the fact that he's got a lot of speed training going in this past year. He has a really good base from running the 400 the year before. And so he's going to transition back to that 400, I feel, and be able to execute really well at Worlds. Now, Gardner is someone that I still think it's like a he's the favorite to win. Like Gardner's the favorite to win, but I think Curly upsets him a little bit because Gardner, you know, he won the he won the the gold last year and the year before, in in 2016 for the Olympics. Uh, and so it, or not 2016. Sorry, uh, he didn't win. He didn't win in 2016. Uh, that was uh, Wade Van Niekert. Obviously, he broke the world record. But uh, he's you know being coming in as the 400 meter um, Olympic champion he's obviously going to be the favorite going into 2022, but I feel that Curly's just going to be a man on a mission, plus being running uh, on your, not your home track, but running on American soil. Uh, a lot of the Americans have been doing very well here in the U.S. I think it's going to be a good race for him. Michael Norman, hope that he gets back to where he was before. Didn't have a great 2021 season. Uh, 2020 didn't run too much, uh, so I'm hoping he can get back to his 2019 self. If he can, uh, then he's you know one guy that is a force to be reckoned with. In the uh, women's side, Elaine Thompson, hurrah, Shakari Richardson, and then Shelly Ann Frazier Price. Uh, the Shakari Richardson's the one that I'm like, is just me being a homer a little bit <laughs> because, like, 
on paper, she is not the second. She should not win a world championship right now. She had a few good races, and then uh, all like Sharika Jackson should probably be third, and Shelly Ann could definitely be second. But I'm thinking that she's gonna get her stuff together because she realizes if she loses a ma- another major race to the the Jamaicans, like it is going to be a tough road ahead for her because it's not gonna be getting any easier moving forward. And so I'm thinking that she's gonna like take a look at what she did back at the trials and the a couple races before that and get back into that 10-7 shape because if she doesn't get there and she doesn't and she's still you know focusing on you know the Twitter the Twitter beef and the Instagram stuff then no she doesn't deserve to be on the you know be in the on the medal stadium like because Shelly Ann has shown that she is much more consistent but I'm thinking it, in, in one race anything can happen and so it's partially just me being a homer and, and being a Shikari, a Shikari fan but you know we'll we'll see what happens there. 200, uh, I got Gabby Thomas coming in first, Elaine Thompson, hurrah, second, and then Christine Momba coming in third. Uh, Gabby Thomas, she had a very good race when it came to the Olympic trials, set three PRs in three days. So she's obviously really loves the way that that Eugene track is is formed, and, and she does really well there. Lane Thompson, hurrah, obviously Olympic champion two times and, and one of the best 200-meter runners. She didn't run very many two. I don't think she's ran a 200 yet since the uh, Olympics. And so uh, I just think that Gabby really focuses on the that 200 sprint and will be able to, you know, to get that the gold there. Um, I, I think that she has a good shot. She really likes running in Eugene. Don't see why she can't do well. Uh, Christine, she's like a, she's someone I didn't think was going to be coming in third at the Olympics. She came out of nowhere. She's what, 19 years old, originally running the 400, now focusing just only on the two because of the, the crazy rules that, um, you know, WADA or World Athletics or whoever you want to call, you know, call it uh, enforced. And now she's going to be having a year of just focusing on the 200 because she knows it's what she's running. If you don't know her story, up until about two months ago, she was pretty much only focusing on running the 400. And then she was told three months before the Olympics, so yeah, by the way, you can actually only run the 200 because your natural testosterone levels are too high to run the 400. And so you got to run the two. And then she still uh, came in and and got third place in the the Olympics at, what, 19 years old. And so I think now that her training is going to be focused on the 200 moving forward, like she's going to have a really good shot. I think she can medal again. Uh, in the 400, Shawna Miller-Webo, a thing Mo, Allison Felix. So uh, Shawna Miller-Webo, if she decides to run the 200 instead, uh, then I think she'll be on that 200 stand because she has no competition in the 400. She is just so much better than everyone else right now in the 400. I mean, a thing Mo, who I have in second, could be a potential force to, to be reckoned with. But as of right now, there's there's no one. I mean, if you look at the Olympic final, there it was her. And then it was like, I think she beat the next best person by 0.8 seconds or, or maybe almost a full second. And so she's it's like, does she want to collect another gold medal or does she want to kind of challenge herself and do the 200? Um, which she ran the 200 in the Olympics, but she jogged it at the end and it it was something that you really you know, didn't need to watch. Uh, a thing, Mo, and now that she's not going to be running colleges in colleges, she'll have a lot more time to focus in on doing both. She mentioned that in the Olympics, she wants to do the 400 and the 800 split. Why not at the World Championships the next year? I feel that she could do it, uh, so why not do it now? Uh, Because she's not going to be having the crazy college season where you're running every single weekend. Uh, I feel like she'll have an opportunity to get into uh, the World Championships having both those races and and be able to, to hopefully take that home. Allison Felix, once again, person that you don't bet against. I think that this will be her last major meet. 
Uh, I think 2022 will probably be the last time she competes. Similar to Usain Bolt, he ran the Olympics in 2016, ran into 2017 for the World Championships. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what Allison Felix does. Uh, I don't think she's going to be you know, running too much into to 2023, and then she's definitely not going to be doing the Olympics. She mentioned this is going to be your last one. So I think that this is going to be your last major meet. Uh, do it at home, uh, end on a high note, uh, and I think she'll be able to take home bronze there. Uh, and then in the, oh yeah, the short hurdles, almost forgot that, uh, 110 hurdles for the men. I have Holloway, McLeod, and then Allen. Uh, I think that Holloway and McLeod are the two guys that are, are really going to be going at it. It was a shame that McLeod wasn't able to compete at the Olympics because he had a poor showing, uh, cause he cramped up at the Jamaican trials. Uh, but it is still going to be exciting to see those two go at it. Allen, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, I think he's going to be able to get under 13. He's someone that's been flirting with sub 13s for the past few months or so. And he's been in that 13, one to 13. Oh, point like 0.07 or whatever. Like he ran this past race. And so I think he's been flirting with that time and he's going to have a breakthrough. Of course, this is his own track. I mean, he ran at Oregon and so he's going to be back at Oregon again. The crowd goes crazy when he's running. And so I think that energy being able to be at a track, that's familiar is what's going to push him over the edge and be able to be in a good position to, uh, to win 400. Uh, I had Benjamin winning Warholm second and then Dos Santos third. So the same top three from the Olympics this past year, um, just flipping Benjamin and Warholm. Uh, once again, it's just me being Homer that that is picking Rye Benjamin. Like, I think that he's going to have a chip on his shoulder and he really wants to win. Uh, once again, wouldn't be surprised if it takes a world record to to win this race. And uh, like, event, I feel like just eventually Warholm is going to crack and he, he's not going to do as well. I mean, we saw that his 400 just this past weekend wasn't as well as he wanted it to be. He almost ran faster in his 400 meter hurdles than he did in his open 400. Uh, obviously he had mentioned that he hadn't really trained too hard for this race. Uh, he kind of took some, you know, some days off celebrating from the uh, Olympics. I mean, who I don't blame you at all. I would have probably done the same thing, but uh, I think Benjamin uh, will be just on a different level. He'll have a desire to win and, and we'll be taking that there. Uh, for the 100 meter hurdles for the women, I have, uh, Jasmine Camacho Quinn, uh, Tony Amusen, and then Kenny Harrison, uh, Jasmine Camacho Quinn, once again, she's someone that's on another level, had the Olympic record at the Olympics, obviously. Uh, Toby, she's a surprise. I mean, she was someone that I didn't think was going to win, uh, get, make a medal. Uh, Ken, I thought Kenny Harrison was going to come in second, uh, but she's actually been sneaky consistent uh, recently. I took a look at her times, and she has a lot of times that are, uh, I believe, like, what, in the, the 12s? Uh, and so she's doing very well. Kenny Harrison as well uh, hasn't been as, as consistent as she'd like to be, but, um, I think those are going to be the, the top three for there. And then the, the 400 meter hurdles, I had Sydney McLaughlin winning, uh, Femke bowl second, and then Dalia Muhammad third. Uh, I think this is going to be the, the time that Femke bowl kind of takes her next steps. Uh, she's been very doing very well this year. Uh, she actually beat Dalia Muhammad, uh, earlier on in at the, uh, one of the diamond league races. And so I think she's going to take another step, uh, and be able to actually win at, uh, you know, for a major, she 
won the medal at the Olympics for what third place. And so I think that she's going to be right there. I mean, she's already pretty, pretty freaking close. I mean, she's less than, I think she's what 0.3 seconds off of, uh, off of the two girls. And so I think that she's going to be able to take that next step. She's one of, she's also very young. I think she's 20 years old. So, uh, she has a chance to over this next year as she's about to start hitting her prime. I think she's going to take that step when, uh, you know, Dalia Muhammad, she's a little bit older. Uh, she's not, not, not that old. She thinks but she's, she is definitely a little bit older than uh, Femke Bowl is, and so I think that she's going to be able to, to take that step and, and, and surpass her. But let me know what you think of those predictions. Uh, that's going to be my sprinting predictions. Uh, like I said, by the time this episode comes out, you'll would have seen my, my distance ones. I'm going to have my field events with the, the throws as well as the relays and the jumps and all that coming out later. So let me know what you think on Instagram at Track World News. Love to hear it over there. But um, thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. If you enjoyed it, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, leave a review. Uh, it really helps us know that you're enjoying everything. And it only takes a few seconds, but it means the world to me. Uh, so have a good one. I will talk to you soon. And peace.